Hello and welcome to Management for Startups. Management for Startups is about learning management in small teams, businesses and organizations between 2 to 50 people. My name is Cedric. This podcast is never longer than 15 minutes, so let's get started. So today, I want to be talking about uh, something I call uh, the positional power barrier. And this is my name for an effect that is not new. In fact, I think it's been known by many names in the management and leadership literature. Um, well, if you consider blogs and books literature. <laughs> um, sometimes it's called the power differential, right? And, and you can probably tell from uh, the name positional power that this has to do with the fact that if you are in a position of authority or you're in a position of power in an organization, any organization, right? It doesn't have to be a company. It could be a club in university. It could be a nonprofit. It could be a social club, completely voluntary. But if you have a formal position in such a company or organization, then the positional power barrier is something that will affect you. And I think this is something that we take for granted, right? Like if you are a new manager, uh, you probably think like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm, there's nothing different. I know these guys before I became a manager and my team knows me, Joe or Mary or Cedric in this particular case, as the same kind of person. And I'm a manager and I'm completely the same, right? I make the same lame jokes. I have the same sense of humor. I put on my pants one leg at a time um, and nothing has changed. Except that it kind of has because you are now a manager and that will affect every interaction that you will have with your subordinates going forward. So you can't assume that nothing has changed the instant you've become a manager. In fact, if you are in a position of leadership, any kind of leadership, you will have to be careful uh, from now on. Every time you interact with a member of your team, uh, there should be a part of your brain that is observing uh, the things that you say and the things that you do and constantly accept, uh, you know, evaluating like what the effect is, what was the impression that you are giving, what is, uh, is what you're saying, what you truly mean. Is this something that, uh, you know, that goes against something that you said in the past that, you know, makes it very, makes you seem hypocritical. And this is not a surprise perhaps, but I will say that every manager who's worth anything will have a part of their brain that's constantly monitoring in the back of their head, uh, whether they are uh, actually um, being the kind of manager or the kind of person that they want uh, to be. Wait, that sounds a bit stupid. That sounds a bit general. So let's make it more concrete of an actual example. So sometime, I think, I can't remember whether it was 2016 or 2017, uh, we had a client deployment that went very badly. And I think I had been working on the client deployment with my team for about two months at that point. It was a fairly big project. And it went horribly. The client was very angry with us. Uh, and I was depressed, right? I was upset. I didn't, I went to office completely demotivated. I had no energy to do anything. And I think my entire team immediately knew that something was up. But here was the thing, right? My HR uh, executive, um, she eventually put me aside and said, hey, Cedric, your uh, lack of motivation and your complete lack of energy is affecting and demotivating the entire team. But it took her one week uh, to do that, right? So it was like basically five working days of me being demotivated and completely useless and unengaged at work and affecting the entire team around me, um, meaning that I affected their productivity and their output, which 
then means, I mean, I've mentioned before that the manager's job is to increase the output of the team. So basically, I was not doing my job and I was affecting the output of everyone around me. But it took this HR, my HR exec, one whole week before she put me aside. And that's strange because um, my HR executive is... Uh, I'm I'm incredibly close to her. I know her and her husband. I think we're at the level of friends that know each other's uh, hopes and dreams and fears. And I know their hopes and dreams and fears, and they know my hopes and dreams and fears. I consider, I mean, we are we consider each other friends. But she took an entire week before she brought this up to my attention, and that seems you know bizarre to me because I like to think that I'm a very accessible person. I like to think that she can just tap me on my shoulder and tell me, hey, uh, you, this is not cool, you should stop doing this. But she still took a week, even though we were really close as friends. And this is the positional power barrier in, in, in action, right? Because um, she didn't come up to me. If this was just something between friends, I think she would have come up to me much earlier. But because this was a work environment and I was a manager in charge of the entire Vietnamese office, uh, the office in Vietnam, I mean, um, she didn't want to step on my toes because she could tell, as did everyone, that something was up. But she didn't, right? And I think that's the sort of uh, thing that you have to be really careful about, right? Because it, it totally doesn't appear obvious to you, right? It's insidious in the sense that it's nearly invisible. Uh, your actions are heavier and more important and have more weight uh, when you are a manager or you are in a position of leadership in your company than if you were just an ordinary person. And that's going to color everything. So uh, if you think about it, right, um, um, I mean, this, this is a fairly obvious example. And I think you, if you sort of just look back on all your interactions with your subordinates, you can probably come up with quite a number of um, interactions that are shaped by this sort of uh, positional power uh, or, or uh, power differential. I think that's what some people call it. A difference in power between you and your subordinates. Uh, and, and you can probably uh, look back and think of one or two examples right off the bat uh, where your position as a manager has affected your interactions with your subordinates. Uh, this could take on the form of they're not as forthcoming. You ask for feedback, but they don't give you feedback. It could be that you're asking for information during a one-on-one and they are a bit more reluctant to give you information. Uh, it could be that you're asking for suggestions you know, to improve the company or to improve your team and nobody volunteers any information, even though you know because you you sort of hear through, you know, water cooler uh, chatter or, you know, back chatter uh, over lunch that they are not happy with everything. But when suddenly you ask them to, you know, raise an issue or make a suggestion in a formal environment, nobody says anything. So why does this exist, right? Why does this barrier or effect exist? And the answer to that is that this is... Uh, pretty much a textbook example of a power relation. And the key feature of a power relation is one where there is a asymmetric, uh, uh, is it asymmetric? Is that the right word? Basically, there's an unequal, uh, uh, what do you call it, cost, right? If, if, if somebody messes up. Um, let me make that clearer. So if you mess up when you're talking to your subordinate, you can apologize. But if your subordinate messes up when they're dealing with you, that could affect their career. That could affect their workplace happiness. That could affect their promotions. That could affect uh, all kinds of things because you are their manager and then makes you their boss, right? Or, or at least somebody with some power over their experiences, their lived experiences in the company. 
And this asymmetric uh, uh, nature of outcomes um, is the sort of thing that makes people very careful when they're bringing up things that could be negatively take, you know, taken negatively by their boss or their manager. If you want to imagine this in action, just imagine when you're dealing with your boss. I know that some of you, I mean, if you're, you're listening to this, you're probably in a startup or you're in a small uh, team or, you know, small company, and it could be less scary for you to deal directly with your boss who might just be one of the founders of the company. But imagine, you know, in your career, uh, when you're dealing with your boss and you want to go and bring an issue to your boss, right? Um, you think twice before you complain or even before you, when your boss asks for feedback, you think twice because you, you start thinking in the back of your head, well, is my boss the kind of person who will uh, be uh, uh, what, amenable to feedback? Is, is he the kind of person, he or she, the kind of person who is willing to listen if I criticize and I give honest feedback? Uh, is he or she the kind of person that will actually take action if I give suggestions? I mean, he or she says that uh, they want feedback, but we all know that there are lots of bosses out there who just pay lip service to this idea that as a good boss, they're supposed to listen and get feedback. But in practice, they don't because they don't want your particular feedback in this particular time delivered in this particular way. Um, and so therefore, I mean, you naturally shy away from from giving feedback and giving information and giving um criticism to your managers because you know that that person might I mean if you do it badly and things go wrong you know that that's going to affect your work uh, experience for the next couple of months maybe even years um, so what do you do if you're a manager and you are in this position right I think the first thing is to be very clear that this effect exists that the positional power barrier is a real thing that you have to consciously consider at every uh, interaction that you have with anybody on your team and, and I think that's something that is surprising to new managers, right? Like good managers will always have a small part of their brains uh, constantly running in the background and they're always sort of evaluating the effects that they're having on the subordinates when they speak, uh, when they take actions. Uh, they want to make sure that they're not hypocritical, right? And I think that's something that is unnatural because if you're dealing with friends, this is not something you ever have to think about, right? You never have to think about like, oh, if I make an offhand comment, uh, maybe uh, that will be taken the wrong way. And then suddenly it will be common knowledge as my team gossips amongst each other. Well, not gossip, but all teams talk away from the boss, uh, away from the manager. And they might conclude collectively that you're the kind of person who is uh, X. Like, say, example, you could say that, oh, you know, I'm not really interested in this sort of criticism right now. And immediately your team sees this as an example. Okay, Joe is the kind of person who doesn't take feedback well. So we're never going to give him feedback. And it's going to affect your interactions for the rest of the time that you have this team, right? I think it's also important to sort of understand that the positional power barrier is, is something that you have to actively fight against. So consciously understand that, I mean, con know that this exists, be conscious about it and constantly reevaluate your interactions to see if your uh, asymmetric uh, power relation ha has anything to do with, with the kind of interactions that you have. But in addition to that, you, you should know that if you want more feedback, you want more criticism, you want more suggestions coming from your team, that you have to actively make an example to encourage the kind of behavior that you want to see. So I think one example that a lot of people give and I found to be very effective in my practice, which makes me think, you know, since so many people talk about how it's so great that it might be effective for you as well, is this idea of calling out and praising things that you want. So if you receive criticism, right, the first and most obvious thing is to 
actively and loudly praise the person for giving you criticism, especially if it's criticism that you encourage and you want. If somebody gives feedback, implement the feedback and loudly proclaim from the rooftops, you know, that like this feedback is amazing. Um, Mary from uh, support suggested this and it was amazing. We put it into practice and it has led to all these uh, good things for the team. And then your team will basically, due to the positional power barrier, it sort of amplifies the message and says, okay, you know, Joel or, or Cedric is the kind of manager who wants and encourages uh, suggestions. And he actually acts on suggestions and deals with criticisms positively, which then encourage more of such behavior. And it's sort of bizarre because sometimes um, the very first suggestion would be like one brave teammate uh, making a tiny suggestion and then your praise is completely out of proportion uh, to the quality or the, the size of the suggestion or the criticism, right? It's maybe something really safe as if it's a criticism or it's a tiny suggestion like, oh, can we move lunch like 30 minutes earlier because X, Y, Z. Um, and you, you just have to run with it, right? You have to loudly praise, disproportionately praise that sort of uh, criticism or feedback that you're getting because you want to make send a loud and clear message through your actions uh, over a consistent time period that you know you actually do care and want suggestions and criticism. Okay, so this is a really large topic and I think there's a lot more that we can talk about it, but uh, this episode is just to sort of introduce this idea of a positional power barrier to sort of say, hey, you know, you should think about this because this is going to be something that colors every interaction that you have with your subordinates. Um, and you should uh, be aware that good managers always have a part of their brain constantly running in the background, evaluating every interaction they have with their teammates. All right. So that's it for this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Cedric out.